0: Joining us today on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos interview series is the economist and author Spiros Lavdiotis. A former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, Lavdiotis is the author of three books on the Greek economy, as well as a number of articles and analyses. And Mr. Lavdiotis, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, uh, and I'm very glad to be able to speak after the years in English.
0: To get us started, share with us a few words about your background as an economist, including your time at the Central Bank of Canada.
1: Well, uh, my background uh, goes back uh, more than forty years. Started from Greece, uh, I was uh, at the University, at the Aristotelian University of Salonica, where I studied economics and law, and then uh, I moved on to Canada where I studied uh, economics uh, at the York University where I obtained my master's degree in economics and then I moved on to University of Toronto doing studies uh, PhD studies in economics and at the same time I completed the MBA course uh, to the University of Toronto, of Toronto where the Bank of Canada hired me and then uh, instead of going be academic, uh, I moved on from Toronto to Ottawa, where uh, is the headquarters of uh, Bank of Canada. And I worked there as uh, first doing uh, forecast for Canada savings bonds, uh, and also in the monetary sections and security sections of the bank, and then handling the portfolio, stock portfolio of the bank. And uh, I left with a position of uh, a senior financial analyst, and moved uh, to Athens. And Since then, in Athens, uh, as well, uh, I worked for the Commercial Bank of Greece uh, in handling the international portfolio of the bank, of the stocks, uh, and as well for the Olyan Group, uh, in which I was responsible for the foreign exchange and as well for the derivative products and uh, options operations of the group. Uh, since then, uh, I did, uh, founded the, uh, a, a brokerage firm uh, dealing with the Athens Stock Exchange, uh, the so-called uh, capital securities, where I was the ch- shareholder, chief financial officer, and also responsible for all the operations of the, of the company. And uh, at the same time, I dealt with uh, the foreign investments and, and as well dealing as a head of uh, management uh, operations of, of uh, securities and uh, also setting up the, the investment program. Uh, the last years, I've been seriously been preoccupied with the connection of ancient philosophy and economics because for some reason there is a tremendous, tremendous connection of the principles of what the ancients like Aristotle, like Xenophon and Plato have said at that time about how to optimize and augment the well-being of an nation. And the principles, actually, the name economics, it's a Greek name. It is, it has been developed in a dialogue uh, of uh, between Socrates and some of his students in a dialogue, which is called the Economicos, and wrote by Xenophon. And I found tremendous principles there, which could help. The new Greeks to understand and try to interconnect because what we studied in economics starts in Northwestern uh, civilizations from from Adam Smith and uh, from the physiocrats, the French physiocrats. But actually, as a matter of fact, the physiocrats what they have taken most of the ideas okay from the economic of, of Xenophon and also Aristotle and his politics, has tremendous principles. This is the first time that this type of work okay, has, has been done in, in, in Greece and never have been connected uh, the ancient thought with the modern thought. Uh, so this is a, a very difficult work, uh, but uh, I enjoy it because uh, I see tremendous value of what the ancient Greeks uh, have said and uh, how this marvelous Athenian democracy was developed.
0: We are on the air here on the Dialogos Radio with economist and author Spiros Lavdiotis, former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada. Let's begin our discussion by looking at austerity. Share with us a few words about austerity as an economic doctrine in its modern form and how this doctrine developed.
1: The modern form, this doctrine of austerity has been developed in the meeting of, of Toronto of the countries, of the 20 countries, of the so-called G20, and it was uh, there uh, when uh, it was split in the opinion uh, in that high-level okay, meeting, the split of the opinion of the Americans, which they, they espoused the principles of Keynesianism in, in, in trying to recuperate from the tremendous financial crisis of 2008, when the whole financial system collapsed, particularly after... The bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers in September 2008. Together with the United States, espoused the principles of Keynes uh, were India, Russia and China. At the same time, the Europeans splitted from this idea. They thought that uh, they, in order to save their own weak financial system, that austerity is the only way okay to do it. Because what happened with this, uh, with the crisis of, that started in the states uh, with the so-called subprime loans and developed in a in a fashion, in a snowball fashion, to a great extent, they, it disseminated its waves uh, to the European system, which was was weaker than the U.S. system, and due to the fact that the eurozone does not have uh, does not is, is not built on sound principles. It is a, a legal construction which is incomplete because there is no political union and there is no banking union and there is no financial union. the financial, I mean uh, a system which uh, all, all the, the finances of the states to be degraded. There is no such a thing, just simply it was a creation, a reverse creation. Uh, starting from from a legal structure of the monetary union then trying to, to, to instigate a political union, completely reversed. It is, it's very unusual. It's never happened again in the history of civilization, this type of thing. So as a result, when the crisis came, everything fell apart. They didn't know what to do. And in effect, in a statement, in a bulletin which was issued by the ECB, ECB is the European Central Bank, in May 2010, said that they they admit they were in a a state of, of complete collapse, they didn't have any mechanism, nothing. So they tried to save themselves, particularly the Germans, that they had the biggest exposure that they had in the system, they were the German banks and the French banks. And they decided not to apply Keynesian principles and to follow austerity. Austerity is a dangerous policy because it means that a country that has financial problems due to the budget and due to deficits in foreign exchange, in other words, the so-called balance of payments, in order to alleviate itself, it has to impose austerity measures. And how this is going to work? what the theory said, through confidence. And what is confidence? They say that when people and investors see that there is stability and, and the country can be saved, then, then confidence is going to build the so-called feeling for growth. Unbelievable things. That's why it was, it was called the, the measures of austerity. They were called friendly to growth measures. There's no such a thing. These things never work. And just I remind the people that actually that was the case in the crisis of 1930s that Herbert Huber, that was then President of the United States before Roosevelt, did the same mistake, tried to balance the budget, and the situation deteriorated as a result. Then he was defeated in the elections in 1932. And then Roosevelt came in, and the first thing that, uh, again, it was a financial crisis. It was a banking system crisis. And then Roosevelt, in his inauguration speech, said the first thing that attacked the bankers and uh, immediately closed the banks. And the whole system, Uh, he went to moratorium, voted for extension of loans by the central bank, to the weak banks, and then the American economy started recuperating, but also it was Roosevelt that that imposed, actually instituted for the first time in in history, uh, the so-called social security system and the FDIC, that's the Federal Depository Cooperation. Then, they were incorporated for the first time uh, of the capitalist system, so uh, here in Athens, Llandi, what happens, that is, the situation was more severe because they miscalculated the so-called multiplier effects of, of the policies which they imposed uh, on debt and on incomes. With the result, the Greek economy to collapse completely. And in the second year of the imposition, in 2011, of the measures, uh, the GDP collapsed by 7% in one year. So, so far, in other words, all these measures, which they were called, okay, reforms, they were not reforms. They were, in effect, okay, a killing measures for the, for the economy and for the salaries and pensions of people. Just reminding you that, that in this country, 50% of the income generated of the so-called national income, it arises from pensions. It was a total catastrophe, and the unemployment rate from 7.8 percent shoot up again okay, to 28 percent, and still remains with artificial means of 23. It is a situation very I would say dismal because people have no hope about finding job completely. Okay, they immigrate, and so far the immigration rate has reached a level of uh, more than six. 100,000 people from which 250,000 are educated people with degrees have been unable to find anything decent here. Overall, the GDP from 2008 till now has fallen by 28%. This is the longest in time and magnitude drop of, in, in growth in economic terms of any the so-called named developed countries. This never happened before. Even in the so-called Great Depression in the the States, the unemployment rate reached 25%. And it took only three years to start recovery. In other words, after 1933, 1934, it was the bottom. And since then, it started growing, growing. But of course, as you very well know, we had the Second World War in 1940s. Uh, so
0: uh, the situation cannot be compared. We are speaking with economist and author Spiros Davdiotis, former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, here on The Adagos Radio and the The interview series. In your opinion, why is there such a great insistence on economic austerity, such as in the case of Greece, and are there any examples that he can identify where any country was able to emerge from a financial crisis and return to growth as a result of austerity?
1: not to my knowledge. Always, as I tried to mention before, that's why um, I mentioned the name of Herbert Hoover, the previous president uh, before Franklin Roosevelt took over. tried to impose uh, austerity, and in two years the whole situation was uh, very severe. There is not such an example in, in the history of economics. I do not know how they developed this type of friendly to growth austerity. just it, it, unbelievable. This is a myth. There is no such a thing friendly to growth or sterile. They tried to save the, 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 the financial system of Europe that was collapsing. At the same time, Germany went ahead and accepted this because they want to maintain the free zone intact in the whole EEC, the European Union. And of course, as you know, there are only nine countries which do not participate in the so-called Eurozone. But the main thing was for Germans to maintain the primacy of its export power. And in order to do that, in this modern era, you have to maintain the financial system because Eurozone provides a uniform platform were following the principle of free trade, which are the three basic principles, economic principles, of the, of the Maastricht Treaty. It's the freedom of commerce, freedom of services, and freedom of labor. And, of course, that presupposes freedom of capital. So, uh, as a matter of fact, since euro is based on an irrevocable exchange, now that we cannot change, it's not in other words the Bretton Woods, the Bretton Woods was the gold standard, but if if a country was in a fundamental disequilibrium, they could devalue up to 10% and try to get out more easily out of the predicament. Now, with Europe, you cannot. As long as you entered with a exchange which it was determined then, that's it, nothing you can do. It is like an iron chain in which you enter, and if you cannot fit from the very Beginning as it happened in Greece, because they had, as you very well remember, to change the so-called uh, statistics and, and do some things so very unethical uh, in order to enter. But they knew, the European knew that that the bricks uh, were. Uh, cooking the numbers, but they wanted to sell, the Germans wanted to, to sell uh, the ships, fregatas uh, in in Greece and planes, the same with uh, the French, and therefore they closed the eyes. That's why they wanted to have Greece there, due to the fact that, that they can expand their own markets to Greece, due to, to different economic development, different uh, industrial development of the countries, and at the same time, not having to be afraid of devaluation. And that was the main turn of Germany because at, at the beginning, Germany was exporting two-thirds of, of their products to European countries. Then it shifted and started exporting okay, in Asia with the biggest market of China. But just remember that even now, Exports in Germany's GDP constitute the 46% of the whole GDP, gross domestic product of the German economy. So, And they had the power to institute this policy, and the Greek politicians decided to protect the banks. And this was a mistake. It was a mistake. I don't know what happened, and the involvement always was uh, just a, a, an interlocking interest between the politicians and the banking system in Greece. But I think it was also an ignorance that they didn't know to what extent that relationship and accepting to pass in the national budget these tremendous losses of the banking system to the Greek taxpayer, and the amounts are tremendous. The, because they involve a sum of 240 billion plus, which is in relation to GDP. Greece has a GDP of 175 billion. That's it. This, this is the, la- the latest number, closing year 2016. So when you have an economy, such a small economy, producing 165 billion worth, and you transfer 240 billion of losses of a banking system that have nothing to do with the Greek economy, you can imagine this is a percentage close to 150% of GDP. It is like saying that the US, when in 2008 went to save the US banking system from collapse, it sacrificed about, in effect, close to 10 trillion then. But then the GDP of uh, the U.S. was uh, 17 trillion. Right now it is the same thing like saying that uh, the Greek economy could, could carry in, in its shoulders su- such a weight as the U.S. was at that time to place uh, funds in excess of uh, 25 trillion you see, there's a big difference that, uh, in effect because Greece, the U.S. still has its own okay, monetary system. It has the Federal Reserve and can print money. But in Eurozone, no. In order to enter, all the countries have to give up the, their sovereignty of, of creating money. So the monetary sovereignty w- w- was given to the so-called to European Union where, in effect, it had only one institution the european central bank and therefore you're transferring all the rights of creating money to one institution which then in order for you to have money they would lend you by charging interest but not directly to the states only to the banking system so the state had to finance from there on as long as you enter the euro June. Its own okay, expenses, expenditures, and the coverage of all of all programs for health, for welfare, and whatever expenses that were necessary for the state, that they had, it had to borrow, and to borrow from whom? Because the ECB does not directly okay, lend the state; it had to borrow from the private sector, and the private sector had to borrow the funds from the ECB, which was charging interest. And then uh, the commercial bank had to charge an extra interest to, to make a profit to lend the money to the Greek state. And what happened then? The Greek state had to charge the taxpayers with higher taxes in order to cover those expenses. And over the years, over the years, didn't even pass many years, because we entered in physical form in the European zone, monetary zone, in 2002. In 2008, we were already, okay, bankrupt. But simply, they did not announce that publicly. Internationally, they didn't know that the problem of the Greek state was mostly the, the banking system. They were saying the corrupt Greeks. Yes, they were corrupt Greeks. And the, and the politicians are really very corrupt in Greece. This is acknowledged, but the politicians never behaved placing the state the common good ahead of their own selves. This is true, but that was a small part of the ordeal for the Greek people. But right now we're faced, according to the last budget, more than $563 which is the sum of all the debt which occurred due to the banking losses that entered the Greek budget because there is no fiscal union in, in
0: Europe. We are on the air with economist and author Spiros Davidiotis, former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada here on The Alagos Radio and the The Interview Series. Sysakhthia is a concept that many of our listeners, and particularly those who are not Greek, may not be familiar with. It is also the topic of one of your books. Tell us about this ancient Greek concept and about the history of debt and bankruptcy in the Greek case.
1: Well, uh, thank you for the question. That actually it makes me feel uh, very good because uh, there are a lot of similarities of what happened then at the 6th century BC in ancient Athens with what is happening now. Because then ancient Athens was uh, in a great economic ordeal due to the fact that the wealth of the city was accumulated uh, in, in the most rich people and the most rich people at that period were simply landowners and they charged interest between 16 and 36% for those that did not have money and they wanted to, okay, to borrow money. At the same time, if, if uh, an agrarian wanted to cultivate the fields because all the fields that were owned by them, they had to either pay one sixth of the gross proceeds of the cultivation to them as a rent, or they have to go and borrow at the rates which at that time was sixteen between sixteen and thirty six percent. So therefore uh, eventually it was impossible to, if, 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 if it was a bad produce one year, how would would be possible to give the one-sixth of the produce uh, to the land owner? It, it's not possible. You have to borrow. So, therefore, uh, eventually they were going bankrupt. At that time, in the history of civilization, there was not instituted the so-called the landed by giving as a collateral land uh, or whatever items of wealth okay you had you were placing as a collateral your own body yourself your wife and your children so if if you were unable to pay the creditor was given the right by law not only Greece, this goes in all ancient uh, ancient regions uh, uh, that is uh, even asia minor even going down to sumeria iraq And so there was a tremendous problem. Why? Because you were captured and you were sold as a slave. And now the famous place of slave exchange was then at that time the island of Ophigena which is just outside of the port of Piraeus. And you were selling yourself together with the members of the family whenever a cake was beaten to buy you. And Solon was the, actually the, the so-called archon. Uh, archon is, is the highest level of, of civil official that was elected by the Athenians to solve this problem, because they had evacuated. Like right now, the BRICS are evacuating Greece. They cannot find jobs, because what they can do? They become criminals, killing other people to leave. This is a very serious thing here in Greece, because when we say there's not even unemployment insurance, they say there is, but right now there's one million more than 200,000 people officially unemployed and they pay unemployment insurance only for less than 10 percent. And what type of unemployment insurance is? It's 260 euros per month and only 10 percent. Actually, with the actual statistics of Greece, a hundred And 17,000 people only get unemployment insurance. Now, this is the European system, which exists because there is no law and regulation or principle within the European Union and particularly in Eurozone which gives a right to work. In other words, while in the States, the Federal Reserve law specifically says that all monetary policy will be in accordance to number one, maximum employment. Number two, price stability. Number three, Low, long-term interest rates, the Constitution, according to, to the Maastricht Treaty of the European Central Bank, says there is only one goal, and that goal is price stability. That's it, nothing about the employment. they don't even care about anything. This is why people, Greeks, they have okay to immigrate, because at the same time there is no law to determine the minimum wage rate, which is at the level at which a human being can really survive decently to live. And there is now a law which determines that the minimum wage rate for unskilled labor is 486 euros per month. 486 Now, just think about all of you that you're living either in Canada or in the U.S. or in Australia and you visited Greece. Is it possible for 486 euros per month a person to live decently? No, cannot. Simply, it, it is a poverty. Of a, you reduce a kid to a pauper. It is an undeclared slavery and even the salaries because they're not right now cannot be fully employed except if you're a civil servant even the money that they get the monthly payments are are even okay lower than that in many instances as the minister of labor in greece has announced of about one 125,000 people are employed with a salary of less than a hundred euros per month. So I say that because the situation is really very severe and it's not an accident that recently a report announced by a Cologne Institute of Economics, just a recent report, 2nd of March 2017, has said that Greece is in the last place of all European nations, in other words, the nations that are in the European uh, Union, uh, which are 28 nations, that the poverty level in Greece have reached 40%. Now, that's not far away from what actually the IMF, International Monetary Fund, acknowledged With the data of 2015, the poverty level in Greece was then 36% so here we have another confirmation it's 40% in two years the way that I see it and the way that actually everybody feels near him. what happens because Greece is a small country is going to be above 50% however people they think this is not important particularly the academics that they completely dismissed all those things and they say okay we're going to stay in Eurozone without taking into consideration the severe situation, economic situation, and the predicament in which many people are and the suffering keeps going when I was speaking about Solon, I' been carried away a little bit by the frightening situation here in Greece, which we are living now, I forgot to tell you that Solon resolved this problem because the Greeks, at that time, the Athenians were, were deserting Athens. So the fields were, remained uncultivated as a result even the rich people they said, we have to find a solution to that, and and uh, the country, the, then the city was in the verge of civil war. And so they elected Solomon because he was famous for his integrity, his knowledge, and actually he he was a, a medium let's say, in the middle class person, not rich, not poor. Therefore, the rich trusts him and the poor also trusts him because uh, when he was young, actually, he he showed characteristics of patriotism. And Solon enacted the Sysakhthya and this word remained for centuries and even now as a word so powerful, which means... Sisachya means I remove the weights of debt. It was the first macroeconomic plan that instituted in a whole civilization. Because the first thing that Solomon did is simply to institute laws by which he abolished the lending by placing your body as a collateral. In other words, you have to hypothecate your your body, and that was the first thing a human being has established this law in the whole humanity. It was Solomon. That's why his name remains still as a such a significant light in the development of of human civilization so the next thing that he did was to devalue at that time the athenian currency which was the greek drachma and by doing that he devalued the greek drachma so that to make more competitive the foreign trade of Athens, and at the same time, he put incentives for people to come and work. Okay, for Athens, for other cities at that time that were highly developed, like Corinth and Eretria in Abia, and promising that they're going to give the Athenian citizenship and try to augment or develop the foreign trade in a context that the export, at least, of the cities, have to be equalized with imports. You know, Solon was the first person that, that instituted the principle of, in order for, for a country to have autarky and to be independent nation, at least the exports, have to, the, the revenues achieved from exports have to be equalized by the revenues given to import, As something that never if any Greek's State politicians have achieved since Greece officially accepted internationally uh, as an independent nation in 1830, but Solon did it and placed the first principle. And since he achieved those results which were very welcome by any, anyone because Solon was the person that instituted the so-called Ecclesia to Dhimu, which means that the direct democracy, the people were elected directly by people. And the Athenians... Voted 21 years continuously because then you were elected for one year and it has to be another vote again so that to be the head official for another year at 21 years continuously he was elected as an archon of Athens and it was in enough time for him to develop to take the country out of this economic morass and develop it placed uh, in 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 one of the highest civilized nations of all that uh, ancient period, which, unfortunately, we do not have such a politician right now.
0: We are speaking with economist and author Spiros Davdiotis, former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, here on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos interview series. Let's turn now to the issue of the Greek debt. How and in what way could Greece denounce its public debt? And what does international law and international legal precedent foresee for the issue of the debt?
1: It is very difficult to really try to eliminate the debt legally because there is no international law which establishes the principles between creditors and debtors when nations are involved. There is the national law and every state has a law, a bankruptcy law and then that concerns companies, concerns individuals, but in terms of international law that have to deal with creditors and debtors there are not specific principles. And this is why that a national delegation, the national delegation First, the debtors have to sit down with creditors. And determine uh, bilaterally how they're going to resolve this, because nobody can benefit by squeezing the other. Like right now, what has happened to Greece? They squeeze again, okay, and the Greeks have nothing to do, okay, with the loss of the banks. They are responsible for about all this corruption, seventy billion. But seventy billion is, is just manageable because it is less than fifty percent of, of uh, gross national product. Why the Greek taxpayer have to because of irregularities and anomalies in the European zone due to the fact this is as I said before a legal institution there is not political unity, not fiscal unity is nothing. Why do the Greek people have to pay all these losses? There is no international law that can resolve this issue. And this is one of the reasons is that we have a big advantage to legally and unethically to tell them that look okay we stop payments because our country is impoverished we are in a humanitarian crisis, why we have to pay that the so-called unilaterally? When you make a deal of lending and borrowing, you have two parties. Why the banks get excluded and the borrower have to carry all the weight? It's unbelievable. Why the banks did all this damage? Because they played in toxic bonds in various okay, futures markets, in securitized products which they didn't even understand what was. And they incurred enormous losses, hundreds of billions, and they placed that on the weight of a small country of 175 billion. What is this now? What what type of, of justice? This is why I'm talking here about the biggest, perhaps, when people realize what happened, the Greek situation and the suffering imposed on all Greeks some of them are innocent, and all are crooks. They're not all people like this. There are people, particularly in small cities and villages, very, very helpful and with good principles. Why we have to pay all these people to be destroyed economically? And this is going to take more than a generation to put okay, Greece back where it was. Probably not, because as you know right now, the way which its income... Uh, in terms of national income and GDP growth, is below 2003. It has lost already about 15 years back. Uh, but in terms of 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 moral values in general values of the Greek people, they've been uh, uh, just completely demoralized. Only now, only 3% of the public believes in, in, in politicians. And this is why this situation is not going to go like this. It's the biggest crime, economic crime that has been done. How is it possible not to, to be a legal institution in which all these losses which involve not only the Greek banks, but also the German banks French banks, the Dutch banks passed only to Greece to pay for it because all as you know the national system are, are interconnected through the euro which creates an international platform of moving okay freely capital from one country to another and at any time any money can be transformed that has accepted euro and transfer the funds from Athens okay to Berlin, from Berlin to Frankfurt from France to Paris, all these losses were actually sustained by the Greeks because the politicians accepted that. This is why it's going to be an issue that is not, is going to last because the sums are huge. According to the national budget, which was um, voted and passed in December 2016, the Greek budget for this year has in it receipts from credit money, in other words, you borrowed money, of 563 billion. In other words, the total budget of the Greek state is 614 billion, while the revenues of the Greek state are 50 billion, of which 46 billion come from taxes. However, the budget amounts to 614 billion because they placed in the funds that the Greek state owns which are, as I said before, 563 billion. It's unbelievable. This is 320 percent more than the gross national product of the country, and it's signed by the president, the Greek president, and by the minister of economics of Greece. Now that's the fact. This is truth. We cannot dispute that. And this is what okay, any government, if a change happens, is that this has to change. This. How is it possible the Greeks to have? taking okay, this money and to benefit it by this money. And at the same time, the economy is collapsing 28%. And more than 23%, there were 28% again employed. You, you can understand here the impasse and, and the unfairness. And what what has happened against the Greek state, and a lot of people outside have realized this that they're talking about the looting of Greece because now, in order to pay that, they say you have to sell all all, all the public assets, but how you do, is it possible to pay the the public assets when in this period, in this modern period, money is created out of nothing because it was a mistake of the politicians given this right okay to ECB. And now you have to sell what our fathers and our ancestors have tried to create and they fought for this land. Not to sell that to pay interest, which the interest already we have paid since we entered this the so-called memorandums. 60 billion in terms and they call it okay solidarity 60 billion and, and now they tell us that uh, we have to remain in Eurozone and since the new calculations all the expected uh, payments that the Greek state has to do up to 2030 right, in other words in about 13 years from now is that we have to pay them 160 billion in interest what is this this is usually this is one sort of the most extreme forms of usury. How is it possible Nokia to survive? To survive another 13 years paying interest to them? Everything is going to fall apart. If, under the epoch of Solomon, they, they were in emergency, they were escaping Athens to save their skins and not to be caught and sold as slaves, here no decent person can remain. We, we have to understand, I'm, I'm I'm, not exaggerating. Now, this is the situation of, of this uh, Eurozone legalization. In other words, they get the legal laws that they passed creating this union, which are, have nothing to do with humanity. It's just Simply an interest scheme, paying scheme, for those countries that are richer than you. And the countries that are richer than you are the countries of Northern Europe. This is why the South Europe has almost collapsed. And we would see this year whether Italy, which is the key, can really, okay, save their own banking system.
0: We are on the air here on the Dialogos Radio with economist and author Spiros Lavliotis, former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, and we will talk in further detail in part two of this interview about the steps that Greece could take to depart from the Eurozone in an orderly fashion. But based on what you have told us about the debt, would it be correct to say that Greece would be able to undertake unilateral actions to declare a stoppage of payments or to denounce or write down a debt once it leaves the Eurozone and returns to to a national domestic currency?
1: We should remember that we are a member of the Eurozone. In other words, we will not take a unilateral action. The declaration of bankruptcy of the Greek state, in other words, the, the Euro bankruptcy of the nation, will take place while the country is still having Euro as its currency. In other words, the government declares moratorium, which means that just a temporary stoppage of payments for six months to foreign lenders. and at the same time the government immediately starts negotiation with European authorities. The European Commission and the ECB started to expose to them the main problem of the Greek debt that the Greek debt that has been accumulated according to the budget of 2017, having also the signature of the president of the Greek states, it amounts to 563 billion euros, which are credit receipts, which means they are owed because the lenders forced the Greek government to pass all the future debt of the Greek state, and you know the 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 program the time schedule of the Greek debt extends to two thousand sixty and this means that the ratio of debt to GDP it exceeds three hundred and twenty percent. Now this amount most of it, about 95%, has not taken place because of the extravaganza and deficits of the Greek state. 95% are debts which have been incurred by the banking system, a whole system, not only banks, but also the whole Euro system involving mainly German banks and French banks, which have led the Greek banks, and therefore these payments are related to the whole eurozone and not to the Greek state alone, and particularly the tax papers of the Greek state. Now, we, for that reason, we are going to expose all the official records with depth of a task force appointed by experts. From other states, in other words, an an international task force which would verify that this is the case. In other words, what was published uh, recently, just uh, recently, I mean one year ago, by the Technical and uh, Management University of Berlin, which actually determined that the two initial memorandums involving in other words the amounts of two hundred and forty billion dollars that they were given to the Greek states under the name of bailouts. They were not given to bailout Greece, they were given to bail out the, the banking system. And according to the study, only less than five percent has gone for the Greek economy and in other words, about 95.5% went for repaying the debt and losses of the banking system of Europe as a whole. In other words, the Eurozone, because that's the problem that was created due to the flexibility of the Euro system, because Euro has irrevocable exchange rate, and after... The crisis, the global crisis in 2008, which was actually a financial crisis, it was impossible to cope with. And for some reason, the Greek politicians accepted this. Shock. In other words, the losses of all the, the euro system to be taken by Greece and be paid by the Greek taxpayers, while these losses involved the whole system. As a whole, because the system, the Euro system, actually is a system which is very incomplete, has many faults, and as a matter of fact, it's a creation, which unfortunately they put the cartage in front and the horse on the back.
0: What happens though in the event that Greece does not find that the Europeans are willing negotiating partners on the issue of the debt?
1: In my view, that 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 would be almost impossible and irresponsible because Greece in in stands a bomb, a huge bomb of debt. And uh, uh, if they do not accept, which in in effect uh, it is it is true, Uh, and as a matter of fact, they are not going to violate the ethical principles. They are going to expose. The whole system to great dangers because, due to the systemic risk that is involved in the banking system, the European banks are not only connected with the Greek banks, which are really bankrupt, but also to the American banks, which, according to the analysis of, of certain financial analysts, they, even now the American banks are exposed to a tune of more than 3 trillion of US dollars to the European Bank, and therefore, some analysts say that actually the bridge case is like uh, Lehman Brothers squared. And this is why it is so dangerous, and this is actually explains the political stance that even the previous government Obama took and joined hands with the European authorities and simply let the Greeks bear this huge burden which does not belong to them. As I said, 95% is, is given all the loans Greece is taking, is given both to save the banks and not the Greek state.
0: We are on the air here on the Dialogos Radio in the Dialogos interview series with economist and author Spiros Lavriotis, a former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, for part two of our interview. Mr. Levdiotis, recently we have once again begun to hear murmurs about the possibility of Grexit, as well as statements from various sources, such as the Hellenic Federation of Enterprises and a joint statement by 14 Greek economists who are based outside of Greece about the many dangers and perils of a Greek exit from the Eurozone and the economic catastrophe that would follow. How do you respond to these claims and to this fear that is being repeatedly expressed?
1: As I said before, uh, the fear is that that's why they don't want Greece to get out from the Eurozone, because it was for their own benefit. As I said, Greece holds here a bomb, a bomb of debt, a huge bomb, which was not okay done, most of it, 80%, was not responsible for the public for this. There were losses, okay, that were due to the imperfections of the architecture of European system. And they belong, okay, these losses have to be divided and served by the other countries, not only by Greece. Greece is not responsible for the Greek people. The taxpayer came to pay taxes, 24% for VAT, another value-added tax, and prices enormous for gasoline, which are most of the taxes. Indirect taxes within, like right now we're paying a gallon, not a gallon, a, a liter of, of gasoline, more than euro. half okay, euro. How is it possible this country to develop? Cannot. So uh, everybody is terrified if Greece okay, uh, exit. But it has to exit in order to save itself. But Germany doesn't want that. Why? Because of the domino effect because of the so called systemic risk of the banking system. Germany wants to save their own system. The banking which is also in in a terrible shape and it's known it's well known internationally the second position of the largest bank. The Deutsche Bank and wants to maintain the status quo and the benefits that it gets. Germany gets uh, from the eurozone because, as I said before, this is a platform in which okay, uh, all the, all the countries have given their own okay, sovereignty, monetary sovereignty, and uh, there is no convertibility of the euro. In other words, uh, it is uh, irrevocable the exchange, and therefore Germany has a, a uniform platform to export its own goods to mobilize its great exporting machine uh, without having a fear for a country to devalue. And uh, since from the very beginning, it was uh, the net okay, uh, exporter. Uh, it was obvious that through time, all, all the work will be accumulated to Germany. And now, right now, Germany sits on hundreds of billions of billions of net surpluses And without finances, the other countries, Germany is following a model, a so-called neo mercantilist model, and has a tremendous benefit. By exporting those goods, uh, the other countries that have deficits, eventually they have to borrow the funds from the German surpluses. But Germany doesn't do that, makes direct investments in other countries, like Greece. Right now, the so-called OTE, the Organization of Telecommunications Agency in Greece, doesn't belong. Greece doesn't have even 1% shareholding in OTE. All OTE now belongs. The Greek holding has been transferred to Deutsche Telekom. And the rest, about 50%, belongs to other funds international funds Greece has no no position there you can imagine if there is something with the Turks what, what what happens oh it is the fact that they call this privatization but Deutsche Telekom is not a private company it belongs okay, to the to the German federation German it's a public institution the same, we, we sold recently 24 places f- for the airplanes, and, and these places have been sold again to a German company that belongs to the, to the German state. It's not a private company. It's like selling the so-called Eleftherios Venizelos airfield to Germany initially, to Hofkitt, but then, of course, uh, a position still remains 40% of the Greek state, but then also this Can be sold lately and therefore is not going to be even the airfield of uh, Eleftheri Venizelos. But we we sold already 24 airfields uh, of islands and various cities of of Greece like Kavala, Kerkira, and Lesbos, uh, all that have been sold. And why they are sold? because we have to pay interest to the loans which have been imposed on us. So, uh, this is a situation that I think a decent politician with integrity can really go ahead and try to tell the creditors that uh, enough is enough and we have a to settle this issue, not to accept all these conditions because Germany doesn't want to resolve the issue because it has elections. And because Mr. Soible says that debt is debt and has to be repaid. No, debt is not debt in that particular case because I did not create that debt. You created and you passed it on me, as simple as this. And let the politicians get the accounts. That's why you have to to, get all the accounts from the banks because the banks have collapsed or are bankrupt because actually the central bank decided in order to fight the Greek people and to humiliate them As you remember when it was the referendum in July 2015, they closed the banks. Why? There is no even legal definition or to give the power to the ECB to close the banks. Simply they closed the banks because to try to affect the vote of the electorate. It was so obvious. But closing the banks destroyed all the accounts. You know, and, and nothing was said that international. The stocks of the banking issues in Athens had three limit downs three days contingency limit down in, in the Athens stock exchange 30% so they were lost 90% of the value people destroyed firms closed nobody said anything and why this, this happened and people were, were taken on lies waiting on the ATMs to get money threatened because they didn't know they, they thought okay they thought oh we're going okay to, to be unable okay to feed ourselves and humiliated the international the Greeks Why they did that? To frighten them so that, okay, not to get out from the Eurozone. The same thing, the same tactic happens now. Okay, because they know that if we default officially, we have defaulted before. We have defaulted at the funny so-called PSI. Like they said, they saved okay, Greece. By doing that, this is the second memorandum. But it is a long contract of $130 It did not save Greece. This money went again to recapitalize banks and to pay the debts that the Greek banks had from borrowed funds okay, from the French and the German banks. But also the creditor <coughs> has a responsibility of lending money, and therefore they should share the losses with the borrower. But unfortunately, that's not the story. And this is why Brexit is so important. It's going to, the issue is not going to be resolved shortly.
0: We are speaking with economist and author Spiros Lavdiotis, a former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, here on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos interview series. Regarding Grexit, one option that we have been hearing by analysts is the possibility of the introduction of a dual or parallel currency in Greece. What is the distinction, however, between a dual or parallel currency on the one hand and a national domestic currency on the other hand, and what would be the consequences of introducing a dual or parallel currency? First of
1: all, let me tell you that dual currency or parallel currency increase doesn't solve the problem. This is simply it's a gimmick, and as I said before, but because uh, the ECB has the, has the monopoly of power, and according to the laws of ECB. There is no such a law or ordinance which allows nations to create a second currency. That would violate okay, the principles of the treaty, and I don't think it's going to be accepted by ECB because ECB wants. Okay, that's why they did the system to have control of the issue of money, and because for them they say they have only one goal, and this is okay, price stability. Therefore how would be possible to give Greece the right to create a parallel currency? Uh, one at the same time, uh, Italy is almost okay, ready to default. It's a very difficult condition. Also, the GNP, the, the debt for GNP, the ratio exceeds now 132%. But at the same time, because Italy is a huge economy, it exceeds uh, 2.3 trillion in debt. And if something happens to Italy, that's it. The whole system finishes and finishes because this is actually what they have developed in the Eurozone with this primary purpose of of uh, ECB to have uh, the absolute control of money, it's like uh, creating another gold standard. And uh, the gold standard, as we know, it went, okay, it died because it created so many anomalies and irregularities in the international system and inequality and wealth inequality. So the same, there's no given the experience and given uh, the fact that uh, the Eurozone is built on a gold standard, but on a gold standard based on f- fiat currency this is the whole thing which gives the right again okay, to ECB to create unlimited money to everybody like right now with the QE quantitative vision it has purchased already 1 trillion plus securities but uh, Greece is not allowed why? because they, they, they have a purpose to completely subjugate this nation in the form they say of, of reforms those are not reforms simply they didn't purchase the Greek securities just to make Greece pay them the interest and subjugate them, demoralize them so that not to have to be able to really provide a, a resistance. Now with this type of project of uh, dual currencies and as I said before, all those are just to simply create a shadowy understanding of, of the situation and providing false Expectations that this can save the situation cannot save the situation. Nothing, no, nothing, okay, can really be saved or been improved by introducing this type of uh, systems. But I don't think they will be introduced in the first place. The only solution is the national currency because then we are going to take back. Uh, the power of creating your own money and together with this, taking back with the freedom of your country and getting out from this system that only countries have the experience like England, because England has established the existing UK monetary system, and that system is called UK, the British mould with at the top of the system. Been the Bank of England, and now they see that system is collapsing, and they're living because they created that system. And then at that time, England prevailed globally. Why? Because it established the gold standard and having okay, already an advanced industrial sector and also in navigation, they were able to conquer other nations economically speak, but at the same time like India taking part okay, of surplus value from India to England and establishing the gold standard were in a position to control deficit nations and pay them interest because they did not have gold like Greece had. That's why Greece had really went bankrupt four times Aside from this one, which is the fifth time official. Once again okay, it, uh, it went bankrupt in eighteen twenty seven before it even was created official as a nation. The second time was in eighteen forty three under the monarchy of Otto. The third time was the th- and this is famous because everybody remembers in eighteen ninety three the so called Karilo Trikupi, the of Hepsum unfortunately will be bankrupt. But he said it, he was a very honest politician, perhaps the last. And the person that, that, that governed Greece for for 11 this is so uh, far in, in parenthesis, uh, but this is important for people to know, particularly the Greeks that are living outside from Greece. 11 years he was the Prime Minister of Greece. He did the best, one of the most ethical politicians and, and finally, he said that he was just disgusted at the whole situation because the, the country went broke because, again, through the interests, the very unfair terms to gave the loans. And he denounced even his Greek citizenship. He left Greece and was found sick outside of Genoa, where actually then one person recognized him, but it was too late and he died. The so called after exoristos, now in exile by himself because he could not resolve this problem, all his efforts. The same thing is, is, is with that. We cannot fight interest. In this, let's remember Keynes, John Maynard Keynes, goes so fast through the reproduction of capital by tokos. And Aristotle said, tokos, tokos means that you bring something in existence. And Aristotle said that he was hated by all society because it's creating with no effort out of a sterile thing which at that time as we know the currency was, was a metal was gold and silver so the same thing have been instituted now the Greek state gave the power to ECB and this ECB through usury mechanism to lend to the Greek state but the Greek state paid double interest one to the ECB and one okay to the commercial banks because the ECB instituted placed a law and said I do not lend you, in other words, I am not a lender of last resort, which abolishes the basic principle of central banks. That's a function of the central bank to be a provider of last resort funds if something goes on to the system. Now the ECB does the opposite and the Cyprus situation shows exactly what I'm trying to say. This is why it's, it's crazy to talk about parallel and so forth. The crisis situation in, the, the situation in Cyprus what happened? It just went one day because it was its own fault it did not supervise properly the, the banking system because this is one of the duties of the central bank to have a good supervision and there were certain regulate certain banks like Marfin and uh, Bank of Cyprus. And what they did? Instead of helping them to alleviate the problem, they went and did the so-called bail-in. Bail-in is you capture. You go and take the money out of the account. And who had his money in Cyprus banks above 100,000 euros lost all his money. Now, this is the situation the bank institution that Greece wants. This is extraction. The extract extracting mechanism. This is like the so-called the old tyrant of Syracuse which if we do not okay, obey his order and I mentioned this because Plato went there to educate him and he didn't like what Plato was saying so he wanted to kill him and fortunately his advisor intervened and he was sold as a slave to a Gina and since then he was recovered by an old student and he was saved. So the same thing is with Eurozone. Therefore I don't think that all this in other words are plans. I think they were publicized more to confuse the public. There is no solution out of these
0: systems. We are on the air with economist and author Spiros Levdiotis, a former analyst for the Central Bank of Canada, here on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos Interview Series. Describe for us the steps that Greece could follow in order to depart from the Eurozone in an orderly fashion, to transition to a national domestic currency, and to avoid the dangers that many believe Greece would face, such as devaluation, high inflation, or difficulty importing goods.
1: A number of these things are a matter of Rather, creation of of imagination, a wild imagination. Let me provide the basic steps of exit of Greece from the eurozone and the adaptation of the national currency based on two fundamental premises. First, the democratic institutions are maintained and the constitution of the country. And second, that there is political will. Now, that's a very important assumption. It's a fundamental assumption, which right now does not exist. But for myself, I am in need to develop, which I would expose right now, the system of exiting Greece under the assumption that finally a light comes to the brains of the Greek politician. So if that happens into fruition, those are the steps that should be taken. The country is declared in a state of necessity, and the Article 44 of the Greek Constitution is energized which means that after a suggestion of the council of ministers which the prime minister is presiding together in coordination with the president of the greek democracy they transfer the power their power to the president of the nation This can be done legally through the laws of the Constitution. And this declaration of the state of necessity does not require to be passed through the current representative assembly. It doesn't require. That's why it can be done automatically as long as the so-called political power, which means the prime minister and the members of its minister decide to do so. Then the president declares temporary stoppage of payments. That is the so-called international moratorium, and that moratorium is going to take a period of six months. During these six months, is that also there is a plan for the so-called reconstruction of the country because really it is a reconstruction. It's almost case like just destroyed, like being destroyed through war, through actual war, because it is an economic devastation. So at the same time, when you declare... Stops of payments, then you save, and this is going to be for the foreign lenders, not internally, everything it moves okay. As that makes you save about $6 billion which we pay for interest. At this time, but also we stop okay, payments of capital. Therefore, we have an advantage to feed the nation and also maintain salaries and pensions at the same level because at this particular stage there is a slight surplus in the national accounts. Then we have okay, the benefit we maintain the 6 billion of interest payments which would be going directly for the reconstruction of the country. And the programs of employment, because this is what is the most important, to alleviate poverty and unemployment. That's the primary thing. And that requires, of course, great coordination to employ the people and to stop or minimize the sc- screws of immigration. We need our, our educated people. This country cannot live okay, with old people, which is continuously this is the case. It's an aging population increase. And then, at the same time, we establish very austere <coughs> uh, capital controls, because we need the capital here to remain and not to be exported abroad. Those are the four major steps that could be taken simultaneously with the declaration of the nation in a state of necessity and this is very important, it should not be frightened, it's a normal procedure which you have to go because of the extraordinary crisis that right now is taking place in Greece and also it is important because that gives you the power to uh, constitute illegal all the measures that were taken through the austerity measures which were based not in law, not in humanity, not anything, they were just horizontal measures taking everybody with no taking advantage, or or rather take into consideration the principles of justice. So by instituting the country in a state of necessity, immediately you can institute laws which would completely and determine the unacceptability or the illegality of the existing laws of memorandums, including the first memorandum of May 2010, the second of 2012, and the third of 2015. A total of 236 billion, out of the sum, okay, only 5% went okay, for the Greek economy. And for reducing poverty. 95% went for payments. Those are facts. Those are, are known facts. And foreigners, actually, in good institutions, economic institutions, made all the calculations which explicitly and unequivocally determined that 95% went okay for the payment of loans to banks and banks' recapitalization, particularly the recapitalization is in reference to the Greek banks. So the third step after this is that you place a commission. We have to institute an agency which will go on to audit the Greek debt and to confirm officially through the help of a task force by international and international task force so that to be completely and undoubtedly an objective commission to determine which is the lawful debt and which is the so-called unethical, unacceptable and odious debt. So in the meantime, the country through its own people, which are in other words Greek officials, go start negotiations, negotiations with the European authorities, whether this is European Commission, Eurogroup, or including the ECB. Of course, all those discussions have take place first, when first the Bank of Greece is completely nationalized, and this is important because the Bank of Greece is a company and 92% of the shareholders are not known yet to the Greek public. And this is an offense to the democratic spirit of the Greek people. At the same time, because there's a problem, things are not so, so straight, highly complicated because of the collapse of the Greek banks. The ECB has landed uh, about uh, $72 billion to save the banks after the fact, after the fact meaning that initially it was not accepting as a collateral Greek bonds, the Greek state bonds. Uh, so uh, as, as a result, the banks could not really find funds to, to finance growth. Or the finance projects for for the businesses, and this they did that uh, in order again just to indicate that they are the power and they determine all political uh, consequences uh, in Greece because uh, they decided to do so when they thought initially because the public was misled, the national public, that Caesar, was a radical left party. So uh, when it was elected on the 25th of January, 2015, on February the 4th, the ECB went and they declared unilaterally, yeah, because they have this right, okay, that the Greek bonds, the bonds of the Greek state are not acceptable. They are junk bonds. But they were junk bonds in the, first, in the very beginning. So now they officially said by that meant that they are not accepted as a collateral. So the banks could not be borrowing money from the ECB, and therefore the loan activity in Greece starts start falling apart, going to minus, and uh, that aggravated more the situation. So therefore, this should be taken into consideration, and that's why the banks, initially, they're going to do a bank holiday. It's a necessary thing that has to be done. The banking system is going to be closed because you need to protect. Whatever savings there are here, there are not too many. Okay? Most of it is just uh, some leftover of <laughs> pensions, a little money that exists, but most of it is just uh, the so-called circulating capital of the businesses. So and if they try to attack the savings, like what they did in Cyprus, they took $10 billion covered for the thing. look at this 10 billion and they destroyed whatever accounts they were not on the Russian accounts because there were people Cyprus, that they lived abroad and being then in retirement they wanted to go back okay, in the island in which they were born and they were more savings the two, than 100 they were the savings of okay, their life work and then the ECB went and they took them and they left them with 100,000 uh, this is the situation I'm sure it's inconsistent to all of you that you are living abroad that that's a European model of monetary system, but it's not a monetary system. It's an extractive system which lives on the blood of small and not so much industrialized as the north of Europe. Uh, so the next step after we, uh, the banks placed on a necessary okay, bank holiday, it's Again, as I said before, the nationalization of the Bank of Greece, like they were nationalized well before now. In other words, like the Bank of England was nationalized in 1946, and the Bank of Canada was nationalized in 1938. So Greece is it's not abnormal like to be far behind almost a century. But again, it's better to be done now than never. Then it should be established after this temporary closure of the banks. And then in more serious negotiations because it is the benefit of the parties to agree on this because the whole situation is just explosive. Why is it explosive? Because that huge amount that is owned by Greece that exceeds 560 billion, it is something that can place like a bomb. It trigger okay the whole the huge bomb and the whole monetary system would collapse. It would it could be another situation of the great global financial crisis of uh, 2008. And the reason is that also the U.S. system is interconnected with the European system. And according to the latest reports, uh, the U.S. banks have exposure of, of more than three trillion to the European banks. So that's the situation. That's why it's very important everybody is talking about the creek exit because if Greece decides okay to pull the trigger then it's going to be a whole mess around the very dangerous situation of the European Italian system banking system and, and Italy owns has a weak exposure of two, two, more than two trillion, 2.3 trillion it owns and therefore you know if something happened there then the whole thing is finished. The whole European monetary system is going to collapse. So we have a power in other words if you are serious and we want to get the benefit of this nation and the people that they live in Greece then we can have a tremendous we can achieve tremendous results so at the same time in order to avoid this chaotic a situation which a lot of people, uh, particularly the academician, are saying is, is going to, to take place, which is not going to be chaotic, but a normal situation after uh, so many years in a currency, in another currency, simply we establish uh, a three-month freezing of salaries and three-month freezing of prices, so not to have the problems of uh, inflation, but this, the inflation situation is something that would occur. Again, if the negotiations don't go well and if the six-month period passes and we have to place the Greek drachma into a foreign market and it's devalued. But before I talk about the possibility of devaluation, first of all, let me tell you how we're going to determine the first exchange rate between drachma and euro. The initial exchange rate is introduced at a parity, one for one. In other words, the ratio is one new drachma equal with one euro. This is where the conversion is taking place in all accounts. In all accounts, I mean that all the loans now would be paid in Greek new drachmas. And whatever accounts remain at the banks in the form of accounting, In other words, electronic money, those uh, are still, they they remain in euros, but simply whatever money are taken out by KISSES or ATMs are are paid new drachmas. And this is only for a short time of period, till uh, the new money is printed. So in other words, what you do, you take a stamp and you stamp the existing euros with the value... With an indication of of this is a new drachma, all the money therefore that circulates outside of the banks are just as new drachmas until the agency that is going to produce the currency is ready to provide the actual new drachmas. So there is no problem about the key changing the existing banking system in Greece or the ATM systems. Everything remains the same simply we stamp the existing euros into a new currency so the 10 for instance 10 euro bill becomes a okay, 10 drachmas salaries again as i said frozen but remain the same the same for prices for three month period this was actually this is not something new president nixon did it in 1971 when he decided to get out from the fixed relationship of, of of the dollar with the gold, as you know, you would remember, then the relationship was uh, one ounce of gold equal thirty five dollars, and because and that was the beginning of the collapse of the Bretton Woods agreement, and, and they let he let the dollar. Be exchanged again okay, in the free markets, and it was very successful actually, because the U.S. had problems at that time because it lost the Vietnam War, and they were experiencing deficits like what Greece okay, is doing. So uh, all these myths that we're going to go to, to Tartara and is going to, to fall kind on of vacuum. This is nonsense uh, because uh, sorry that I speak about it because completely nonsense because at this stage, as you very well know, this is a, the trade balance account is is balanced. Now was the so called the balance of current account is balanced because uh, the so called imports are equal to the export, which are exports of whatever we export. We export something. This is not that we do not export. We export okay, 25 billion worth. That's it. But we import more. We import about 40. So the difference though is covered by the so-called Services And the services are tourism and the shipping fleet that Greece has, one of the greatest shipping fleets in the world. So that is covered. And knowing that from Seoul that the expenses of imports are covered by exports, but the receipts of exports, therefore this means that we have currency, foreign currency to pay. But again, you should remember the bankruptcy We're still in euros. You don't go to drachma, this is six-month period. And sometimes you have the money to feed your people and to buy medicines, to buy oil, to buy whatever items are needed and are not produced here in Greece. So all this is a myth completely myth. And in the meantime you save the six as I said before, the six billion. Six billion we we'll pay them in interest. We don't pay them any, any 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 capital for repayment of debt. And according to the National Bank of Greece's latest report, we still have a foreign exchange available funds right now, which are mostly in gold, up about uh, 5 billion. Therefore, from where all this fear arises, it's going to take 2-3 months till the first newly produced drachmas are placed in the market. So, don't think there's a huge amount of money, cash, that is floating in the market. Place something in, in your mind about 20 billion. That said, it's in Africa this money to be circulating around because multiplied by the velocity of circulation of money, is in Africa to start uh, motivating the Greek economy. Here we do not have that either. Everything is collapsing. The velocity is collapsing because they're taken out by taxes. Taxes mean destroying money. you are not creating money. Paying the unfair interest to Europeans that they call it solidarity Six billion is an enormous amount with a multiplier if it remains in Greece. So simply, it requires guts. And as the Greek poet was saying, freedom requires to be courageous and to be just. And I would add to this, and to really work hard to achieve this objective. Those are the most important measures. Just to add, this is important, in order to the Greek money, the new drachma, to get validity, immediately we institute a law through which that only Greek drachma is, is acceptable as a payment to the Greek tax authorities. Now, this is something that was said by Aristotle, because Aristotle said that money is the creation of the law. That's why it's called nomisma, nomisma exoche nomos. That's why it's called nomism, because it is a product of a law and not of nature. So who can achieve that? The, all those are, are myths that are talking to collapse is going to be not acceptable. Why not to be acceptable one-for-one one if, if, if if the tax officer takes the money at the same rate as one euro? Why not? As long as he accepts it one-for-one, why the market is going to be created the black market law why is going to be this because this is this is the most important thing as long as it's accepted okay by the tax office then all the companies this 24% charges of VAT, all the other indirect di- taxes, uh, indirect other taxes which are huge in terms of which are placed on, on consumption. But again, one of the benefits that during that period we would be able to lower the interest, the so-called the tax rates. This is very important to bring out the necessary steps for motivating on foreign capital, but also the, the growth and development of businesses. You cannot really create business in, in this situation because you have your money. And with that money, you recapitalize broke banks. You are going to print the money to recapitalize. Otherwise, all this this money is going to be transferred again to the national accounts to be paid because the banks need another recapitalization. So you can see the benefit of having your own currency. Just it is the will of the people and the understanding. All this ideological bias that the euro is the only solution of Greece is completely disastrous, is the only solution, is no solution, is the only catastrophic okay, element for the complete elimination of the Greek state eventually, as a state. This is a mechanism, of extraction mechanism, and a mechanism where okay, all the loans are going, if you are not able to pay them. Through new taxes, you're going to pay them by selling the assets of the public assets of this country. So, those are the the basic steps, I think, not to be tiring more about it. But as I said, as long as uh, it's understood that it's going to take a couple of months until the new national currency is cut, in that particular case in Greece, from Holargos, where is the place uh, which uh, produces. And it still has uh, the old machines through which the drachma will circulate. But, uh, But it's going to take some time. So as long as there is a passion, a patience and a belief that actually our freedom and Greek prosperity, future prosperity is based on reacquiring the capacity to create our own money, then the last necessary thing is that we and the European authorities understand and also they do understand that we have to to find together a solution okay otherwise it's going to be a situation that everybody loses. so this is what i have I have to say, and uh, I finish my already lengthy conversation and exposition with the hope that uh, finally a light comes to the brains of the Greek politicians. I thank you very much.
0: Well, Mr. Lavdiotis, thank you very much for joining us today on the Adagos Radio and the Adagos interview series and for taking the time to share your very detailed analysis and insights with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, too. And... uh, We hope someday, okay, we, we see each other again in person.